Hello and welcome to Kevin's Podcast Show. I'm in my new studio. Can you tell? Probably not. But it's a work in progress. It seems like I've left a bag full of uh, adapters and whatnot back in uh, the old homestead. So I'm going to have to go back and get those. But I have jury-rigged it so that I have at least one microphone and I can come to you now. So let's start the show. Today, we're going to talk about Donald Trump being impeached. Why? Because it's in the news, and that's what we're going to do in news versus news. And you know how that's going to go? Pretty shitty. Pretty damn shitty. Welcome back to Kevin's Podcast Show. Association is proud to present heavyweight action. Let's get ready to rumble. All right. We're going to talk about Fox News first. And why Fox News first? Well, because it's what's open in my browser. So we're going to do Fox. All right, diplomat Bill Taylor testifies that Trump used the Ukraine aid White House meeting as leverage for probes. There's a shocker. I don't know why everybody seems to think that this is a crazy thing, that a president is using political power to get what he wants. What's the point of being the most uh, powerful person in the world if you can't use that power? Kind of negates the whole power thing, right? All right. Well, let's get into it. Acting U.S. Ambassador to the Ukraine, Bill Taylor, testified unequivocally Tuesday that President Trumpy pushed Ukraine to investigate both election interference and a company linked to former Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, and was willing to hold up military aid and a White House meeting to get a public announcement from the country that the probes were underway. In his opening remarks to House lawmakers obtained by Fox News, Taylor voiced his apparent frustration that the Trump administration at times was undercutting his personal policy preferences and was being undercut at points by the Trump administration. Oh, golly gee! You mean to tell me that the President of the United States was undercutting your diplomatic preferences? Ah, jeez. That's terrible, man. That's terrible right there. That's what I'm saying. It's a terrible thing there that the President of the United States was trying to undermine your your diplomatic immunity type stuff there. What a puss. Among Taylor's colorful, colorful, I have a hard time with that word, colorful, colorful claims were that the then National Security Advisor John Bolton furiously warned that a Trump phone call with Ukraine's leader would be a, quote, disaster, and that Taylor didn't take the job, almost didn't take that job, because he was leading Ukraine's embassy out of concern that the U.S. wouldn't be sufficiently helpful to Ukraine. Well, tough titty. I don't want to tell you. Taylor went on. I was alarmed by what Mr. Morrison told me about the 
Sondland at Yermick com- conversation. This was the first time I'd heard that the security assistant, not just the White House meeting, was conditioned on the investigations. So what? Listen, I'm going to play you a little snippet right here. Stand by. It's going to be it's going to be cool. You're going to see just how Joe Biden did the exact same thing, ironically, with the Ukraine. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko. They would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a <laughs> got fired. And they put in place someone who was solid at the time. Now, let me tell you what that means. You've got to understand that Joe Biden's son, Hunter, got a job with an energy firm in the Ukraine. Even though Joe Biden's son had no idea about anything when it comes to energy, it was natural gas or something like that. I think it was natural gas. It doesn't matter. The point is he knows about about as much about it. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden's son, knows about as much about natural gas as I do. And the only thing I know is how to fart. So... If farting is the way to get a good job, then sign me up because, damn, I'm good at it. So Joe Biden's son gets the job for with this energy company. Now, the prosecutor that Joe Biden was talking about that he said, you're not going to get that billion dollars. This was while he was vice president, while Obama was president. This was under the Obama administration. He said, if you don't fire that prosecutor... You're not going to get the billion dollars. I'm leaving in six hours, and you've got six hours to do it. And then he said, son of a bitch, he got fired. And then we put somebody in that was right. Well, guess what, old Joe? That's a problem. Because that is essentially the same damn thing that Trump did. Same thing. Same thing. It's politics. It's politics. I didn't think it was bad when he did it. I don't think it's bad when Trump does it. I think that our government is just bereft with all kinds of corruption and things like that. So this, it's certainly not impeachable. And you got to keep in mind, folks, that even if he does get impeached, he's still going to be president of the United States. It doesn't doesn't take him out of office. He's still going to be president. So if you're 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 hanging your hat on, oh, well, the president's going to get impeached, and by God, that'll be the end of his ass. And I don't, you know, no, no, that's not how that works. Not how it works at all. He can be impeached. He'll still be president of the United States, and he can run for re-election and win and be president again for another four years. And then on top of all that, you've got to keep in mind that there is a slim majority of Republicans in the Senate, and the Senate is where the trial takes place. you got to think about it like this. Essentially, the House of Representatives becomes the prosecutors. They draw up what's called Articles of Impeachment against the President or Vice President or whoever, but in this case against old Trumpy. And so they're going to drop these Articles of Impeachment because he made a phone call. Joe Biden outright made a threat to the Ukrainians and said, you will fire this prosecutor that is investigating my son in this gas company or I will not give you this $1 billion. That was a direct quid pro quo. Direct right there. But right, let's, let's not worry about that. But, you know, the president, old Trumpy, made a phone call. 
I read this transcript, which it was, look, it, okay, to call it a transcript is, uh, is kind of a misnomer because there's really not anybody that actually listens and types down everything on the phone calls. The only people that really listen to it are maybe a security advisor and interpreters because obviously they, you know, he, he doesn't speak Slavic or Ukrainian or Ukrainese or whatever the frick they speak in Ukraine. But anyway, Russian, I guess. I don't know. Anyway, I read the transcript, and, and it, there was no overt threat. There was nothing to that. It was like, uh, hey, uh, we're going to sell you some, um, some military crap, and we're going to buy some of your oil, and there you go, everything's good, everything's copacetic, and uh, oh, and by the way, you know, uh, maybe you could look into this Hunter Biden thing, because I think there's something there. It's just kind of a off-the-cuff kind of deal. I don't see anything wrong with that. And if you if you're okay with Biden threatening, d- directly threatening, and then bragging about it, you heard the clip bragging about it. If you're okay with that, then you got to be okay with Trumpy. But anyway. That's what uh, Fox News is talking about. I'm sure CNN's talking about the same thing, but, you know, Fox said that uh, this guy's statements were colorful. Hey, I said that word correctly that time, colorful. But anyway, we're going to go over to CNN now and check out and see what they have to say. Oh, no. It's a bombshell. It's a bombshell. That's what CNN says about this diplomat that's testifying. U.S. top diplomat Taylor was told Trump wanted aid withheld until Ukraine said it would investigate Biden. Biden said that he wouldn't give them a billion dollars if they didn't fire the prosecutor that was investigating his son. So I guess turnabout is fair play. But CNN calls it a bombshell, a bombshell, a bombshell, a bombshell. This is the end of President Trump. Just watch and see. Well, let's watch and see. Listen. Because they've tried it before. They tried it with the Russia investigation, the Mueller report. That didn't go anywhere. Then they started saying, Trump's a racist, Trump's a racist, Trump's a racist. That's all they could get out. And now they've latched onto this little bitty, teeny, tiny little hair and trying to hang on for dear life and trying to impeach this guy. I don't think it's going to work. It didn't work before. I wouldn't be surprised after all of this is said and done that some people end up in jail. I think he can be looked at and perhaps even charged with obstruction of justice. What are the high crimes that you believe the president should be convicted of? Obstruction of justice. Obstruction of justice that was done by the president of the United States in real time. There are indictments in this president's future. The proof is beginning to be assembled of a vast conspiracy to defraud the American people. Plenty of evidence of collusion or conspiracy in plain sight. Now, that's a a different statement than saying that there's proof beyond a reasonable doubt of a criminal conspiracy. You tweeted, Mr. President, there's help for your deteriorating mental health. It's called admitting guilt and telling the truth. Why are so many people lying to the FBI and and to Mueller? Consciousness of guilt. We're now beyond obstruction of justice in terms of what's being investigated. This is moving into perjury, false statements, and even into potentially treason. Collusion, obstruction of justice, money laundering. Indictments from, from Mueller specifically against who? 
against Donald Jr. and against Jerry Kushner. You're a member of the judiciary. Do you believe the president right now has been an agent of the Russians? Yes, I, I think there's more evidence than he agent. is. Yes, and I, I think all the arrows point in that direction. And I haven't seen a single piece of evidence that he's not. He is going to be delivering what I think are going to be his indictments, the final indictments, as well as the report that he gives to the Attorney General. What makes you believe that he has more indictments? Um, because he hasn't addressed the issues related to criminal conspiracy. Well, I don't know if I received bad information, but I think I suspected that there was more than there actually was. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why I say Donald Trump is not going to be impeached. Trumpy is the Teflon Don. He may not be the original Teflon Don, but he is the Teflon Don. They tried it with Russia. They spent millions of dollars and got nowhere. Got nowhere. Got nowhere. No indictments. No obstruction charges. No indictments against Jared Kushner, President Trump's son-in-law, married to Ivanka or whatever her name is, and his uh, son, Donald Trump Jr. So... I, I, I just don't see it happening, folks. As much as people want it to happen, as much as CNN really, really wants this to happen, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Okay, let's move on, and I think we've got a little bit of an update from the Unknown Redneck, and I believe, I don't want to give away too much, but I think he's got some big news. Coming up next. Hey friends, Unknown Redneck here on Kevin's Podcast Show. Lord, how mercy, it's been a long time since we've been on here. He's took a big old break, I reckon he got moved out yonder to the flatlands. Out yonder in the Riverland in West Tennessee, Lord, how mercy down there where all them blues is at and where that good old barbecue is and Elvis Presley, the Kang. I like the Kang, you know how that is. If you've been listening to me, you know I like the, I can't help. Falling in love with you. You know I like the Kang now. But now we've had a good time over the summer, honey. It's come down, wound down to an end. And we've had a good time. And we went fishing out yonder, me and Cheryl. We bought us a boat. That's right. Bought us a little John boat. We've been out there fishing, honey. We've been out slaying them things. We've been catching them our crappy fish and them little bluegills. And we just been a cutting them things up and a eating the far out of them. I'm just going to tell you right now. I, and I ain't even tired of them. I ain't tired of fish yet. I like it. I like it a lot. But now, honey, I got some updates for you on these youngins of mine i'm just gonna tell you right now first things first let's talk about old kurt angle now you know kurt angle been working down there at the video game store and i reckon he has figured out a bunch of stuff down there and i don't know what it's all about something about the internets and all that thing i don't even know where it's going and all that but anyhow i reckon they've made him the assistant manager down there and they've took to calling him the ass manager and i don't i think it's kind of funny but anyhow he's the ass manager down there at the video game store and he takes care of all that their online stuff i reckon they sell the far out of them video games online i don't even know how that works but anyhow they do it and he's the assistant manager down there and he's doing good making a bigger check and him and his little brown hair girlfriend that's right honey she has brown hair 
She has let all that green and blue and red and orange and all that other yellow stuff and every other kind of color you could ever think of just go plumb out the window, honey. She's let it go right back to what it ought to been to start with where her hair was to start with. It's brown. She's a brown-haired girl. She started school. I reckon she's going to be a nurse. And there ain't nothing wrong with that. And I guess they told her she couldn't have that green hair down there at the nursing school. But anyhow, uh, little Joanne, their big news is they've done went and got engaged. That's right, honey. They've got engaged. They're going to get married, I reckon. But I told them, I said, now, honey, you better wait till she gets out of school and you better make sure you got you in zone place because you ain't living here. I'm just telling you that right now. And when Starla Jean got married, that little Frenchie feller, she moved out and they got their own place and that was all well and good. So they're going to have to do the same dang thing now. I ain't a taking care of them no more. They're grown. And me and Cheryl's got some stuff we want to do. And we ain't got time to fool with everybody else. I mean, we love them. But we ain't got time for all that now. Well... We're going to have to make time, because we got some big news, honey. Big news, I'm telling you right now, big news with Starla Jean and that there Frenchie feller, that John, Jean, John, Jean, Luke, that, you know, that Frenchie feller that she married. Uh, well, uh, I'm going to be a grandpa, I reckon. Yeah, that's right, Starla Jean's pregnant, she's pregnant, she's going to have a baby, and youngins, we're just so tickled to death, me and Cheryl just is beside ourselves with excitement, so Lord have mercy, it's been an exciting summer, and y'all missed out, because Kevin done been down there in the flatlands trying to get things all settled, but I reckon he's up there now, and well, down there for me, but anyhow... I'll be uh, putting things on for him and sending it in on the internets and all that stuff. I don't know. Cheryl knows how to do all that stuff. But anyhow, we'll be doing updates, and I'll keep you updated on Kurt Angle getting engaged and getting married and all that kind of thing and Starla Jean having a baby and being pregnant and, and my boat. That might be the most important part. Well, anyhow, that's a little update from the unknown redneck, and you know where I am. safety belt stakeout when we pinch them ouch betty gives us a ticket that's right and don't call me betty but we never wear safety belts see we're dummies then here's something even you can understand for a good time call no this a ticket police are now ticketing low-life scum who don't wear safety belts so buckle up surely you can give us a break no and don't call me shirley a message from the department of transportation and the ad council You know what that sound means. It's time for some weird Tennessee news. This is from AOL.com. That's right, AmericaOnline.com. I thought those guys went out of business. But evidently, they still have a news wing. Must be a hell of a job. Just think about that. Who do you work for? AOL. Huh? What? No, who do you really work for? People tell your family that and they think you work for the mafia and shit anyway aol.com tennessee politician goes on a rant over a quote queer running for president and says white men have quote very few rights a local politician in tennessee is facing backlash after going on a video recorded rant in which he complained about democrats queer presidential candidates and the loss of white men's rights (sighs) That's a sad day for Tennessee. Warren Hurst, a commissioner in Sevier County, made the comments during a debate on Monday as local leaders were discussing whether the city should become a, quote, gun sanctuary city. Now, how uh, a queer presidential candidate, how that 
became part of a gun sanctuary city debate. I may never know, but it did. I think he's talking about that Pete Buttigieg, 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 ooh, ah, Buttigieg, Buttigieg, ooh, ah, yeah, Pete Buttigieg, he's uh, the mayor of Indianapolis, Indiana, I think, he's running for president, he's not going to make it, but he did, anyway, the guy said, it's time to wake up people, it's time, it's past time, Hearst said, well, I think we should listen to it. Hang on, and we'll we'll just let the man speak for himself. Now the audio's not great, but just listen to what this jackass said. Now. I don't know if you could hear all that, because it wasn't the best audio in the world, but he said, we got a queer running for president, and if that ain't as ugly as you can get, Hearst said in the meeting, look at what we got running for president in the Democratic Party. You can go over here to Sevier County Jail and get the people out of there. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, Buttigieg. Buttigieg, Buttigieg, I don't know how to say his name, Pete Buttigieg, he's a gay guy that happens to be mayor of South Bend, Indiana, I said Indianapolis, South Bend, what, who cares, he's not going to win, he's not polling even 1%, so I don't even know why he's even concerned about it, it's not like it's the first gay guy to ever run for president, my goodness, anyway, he is one of the Democratic candidates running in 2020, a presidential election. If elected, he'll be the first openly gay man to serve as president. And I bet that guy's a Republican, and, uh, well, probably Abraham Lincoln was gay, too. But nobody wants to talk about that, except the log cabin Republicans. Anyhow, Hearst never used Buttigieg's name specifically, instead moved his focus to other topics, including what he explained as the loss of rights for white men in America. I'm not prejudiced, but by golly, a white man in this country has very few rights, and they're getting took more every day, Hearst said. I think I got the inflection correct. The commissioner has since faced backlash from a multiple local politicians and rights groups, the Tennessee Equal Equality Project, a statewide LGBTQABCDEFGHIJKLGBTQ rights coalition, called for his resignation on Tuesday. Well, that's not, well look, okay, look. All right, he's a jackass. I have no problem saying he's a jackass, and he's an idiot, okay? But he was duly elected, and so if the people keep electing him, then it's on them. And evidently, they're jackasses, too. So, yeah, I mean, you got to let the process work. It's like Donald Trump being in office. You can't just impeach him and get him the hell out of there just because you don't like him. People don't like this guy. Vote him out. Hell. Anyway, uh, he said that the city of Sevierville... Also, it's different. Sevierville's, the city of Sevierville is different than Sevier County, I might add, because, I mean, not everybody's local, not everybody knows that. <clears throat> so there is a city of Sevierville, 
and a county of Sevier. He is a county commissioner. The city of Sevierville condemned Hearst's remarks, saying they produced rightful indignation both locally and beyond. And um, there was a lady stood up and walked out and said, fuck you, and walked out the door. So, you know, it wasn't without people being pissed off. There was some people clapping, actually, for his asinine remarks. I don't understand that. I don't get it, man. Why do you care what people do in their bedroom? I don't want to know what your heterosexual things is, much less your gay stuff. I don't care what you do between you and other consenting adults is between you and other consenting adults. If it doesn't involve animals or children, I don't give a crap what you do, and neither should you. You may not like it, but you don't have to condemn people for it. Just don't do it. It's pretty simple. If you don't like gay people, don't go sucking a penis. Just saying. Anyway, that is some weird Tennessee news. Ladies and gentlemen, have you ever wondered what it's like to be a paramedic or an emergency medical technician or what they bitch about on a daily basis? Well, I've got just the show for you. It's the Shift Ender Podcast with my buddy Drew McSalty and his cohort, Marco Narco. They are some salty medics and EMTs. I'm just going to tell you right now, if you want to know what it's like, check them out. Shift Ender Podcast. It is time for the shout-outs on Kevin's podcast show. This is where I talk about other podcasts and... Want you to listen to them. Hey, man, there's enough airwaves out there for all of us. It's nothing but love. These are all my buddies, and ironically, all of them are paramedics, just like me. So if you like my sassy ass, then you probably like their sassy ass, too. My first one is a shout-out to Derek's Heretics. If you like the macabre, weird, strange, is it a conspiracy? Was there a second shooter in the grassy knoll? Was there? I don't know. You have to listen to Derek's Heretics. You can get this podcast everywhere fine podcasts can be found. Also, listen to Shift Enter Podcast with Drew McSalty and his new co-host, Marco Narco. They talk about EMS life, the trials and tribulations, the stabbings, and the assaults. That we endure on a daily basis. Hey, if you want an inside look into what goes on in the EMS world, ain't a bad place to start, man. Shift Ender Podcast. Again, it can be found anywhere that fine podcasts can be found. Also, look out for a new podcast that's coming with my buddy Glenn Jackson. He is a paramedic. He is a lifesaver. That's what his bio says. Says he's a life lifesaver, a full-time lifesaver by day. At night, he wanders the woods looking for Bigfoot and moonshine. He's rebooting his podcast. He talks about sports. He talks about comics. Talks about medicine. Talks about public safety. No topic is off his limits. It may be off his rocker, but it's not off his limits. So whenever Glenn Jackson gets started up on his podcast, I believe it'll be called the Sport Cat 
podcast. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to be worded, but whenever it gets started, I'll be sure and let you all know. I'll put the links in the description because, hey, you support me, I support you. That's the way all this works. And don't forget that all these podcasts can be found on Apple Podcast, Anchor, of course, because that's how we're brought to you each and every week. And it's a cool one. If you want to start your own podcast, hey, get in there on that. Anchor's a good place to start. And you can get it on Spotify. You can get it on CastBox. I mean, anywhere you can get a pretty much. If you can, if you can find a podcast, you can find our podcast. And share this thing, man. Let people know. Let them know. All right, folks. That's the shout-outs for this week. We got the ending segment coming up. Stand by for that. Macabre. Creepy. Weird. Derek's Heretics Podcast. Available everywhere podcasts can be found. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to ride. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! That's right, ladies and gentlemen, I have a new segment. It's where I rant. It's where I'm pissed off. It's where I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. What am I mad about today? Well, it's something that probably nobody else pays attention to, but damn it, I pay attention to it. And I'm just going to tell you what I'm mad about. I was going by school the other day, little elementary school, local area, down here in the Flatlands in West Tennessee, and in big, big letters, which I imagine must have cost several hundred dollars to buy and place. I mean, this was on purpose. It wasn't like it was put up there with like a a magic marker or somebody just made a banner or something like that. No, 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 my friend, no. We spent money, we spent tax dollars to put in great big old letters. And I guess they're made out of, I don't know, probably some fiberglass or something. Anyway, you know, somebody spent some money, some time to do this. And the words written on the wall 
on the outside of this elementary school, what were they? Great happens here. Now, you all might not think that's a big deal, but think about that. These kids are walking in, these are elementary school students walking in, and they see the words, great happens here. And that's all feel-good, new-age kind of thing, and everybody's like, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? Great happens here. Great happens here. All right, let me just tell you what's wrong with that. Great is not a fucking noun, okay? Great is an adjective. It describes how big things are, or how awesome things are, or it, it's, an, it's an adjective. It's a descriptive adjective. It is, well, that's kind of redundant, but still, the point is it's not a freaking noun, okay? So great happens here. And this next thing you know is it's going to be, you know, uh, I mean, okay, it, it, look, you're trying to teach these kids what is the right thing and what's the wrong thing, and teaching them that an adjective is a noun even though it's kind of new agey, and it, I know what it's supposed to mean. I know what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, great, great happens here. Great stuff happens here. If you put stuff in there, it would have been fine because then you would have been modifying the word, the noun. You would have been modifying the noun. Great is not a noun, people. I hate to be the grammar Nazi, but great does not happen. Greatness happens. Great does not happen. And I'm mad as hell about it. And I'm not going to take this anymore. So, I may go down there and jerk those... No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just, I'm just mad about it. It just, it just aggravates me because I know that it's the good intentions. It's good intentions and everybody wants to make their... You know, make these kids feel better and all these other things. But the, the bottom line is it's not a good thing. You know, there, besides the fact that great does not happen there. Great does not happen at our American school system. Great is out the window back in the days of uh, yore, whenever they taught reading, writing, and arithmetic. And now they're teaching social justice and how badly can you be hurt by somebody's words. You know, they used to tell us sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt you. Or names can never hurt you. And nowadays, you just say the wrong damn word out of the way, just a little sideways, or put a little spit on it, or, or just a little bit of emphasis of the wrong way in somebody's mind. And the next thing you know, they're getting into some kind of offense archaeology, and they're going back through your Twitter account and try. Oh, look here, look here! This son of a bitch said queer in 1999 uh, when Twitter first started. He said the word queer right there. It's clear as bell. He didn't. He didn't even bother to delete it. You know why he didn't delete it? Because in 1999, 20 years ago, he was a different kind of person. And besides that, sometimes people make a joke, and sometimes the joke ain't funny. Sometimes the joke just falls off the edge, and it's just not funny. It falls flat. And they're just words, people. That guy from Sevier County that was talking about the queer running for president and the white man uh, ain't got no rights, by golly, they're getting took away every day and shit like that. They're just words. Not hurting anybody. He didn't hurt. He did not hurt anybody. He might have hurt a few feelings. He might have made some people mad. 
But he's a jackass. So? Who cares? So I'm just going to say, great does not happen. Greatness happens. Great stuff happens. Great things happen. But great does not happen. And if your kid's school's got some kind of new age bullshit like that on their wall, tell them to take it down. At least ask them to. Just leave it alone because you can't change the system. You know what? It gets back into my sphere of influence idea. You can only affect certain people. And those people are usually within your sphere of influence. And one of those people is your children. So if your child goes to a school and it's got some inane slogan up there like, Great happens here. Sit them down and explain how stupid that is. How that great is an adjective. And it should have great things happen here, or great stuff happens here, or uh, great education happens here. Explain to them the differences. Just tell them. Bring your children up a little better. Okay. Alright, my rant's over. We're getting to the end of the uh, broadcast. Coming up in the final segment. uh, Well, I'm going to tell you all some little story. So, I'll see you in a few seconds. Okay, kids, the campfire's out. Let's hit the road. Uh, Dad, the fire's not out. It's still smoking. No, uh, close enough. Come on, Dad, do your homework. If it's too hot to touch, then it's too hot to leave. I knew that. You're never too young to get your smoky on. If you see someone in danger of starting a wildfire, step in and make a difference. Brought to you by Smokey Bear, the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Only you can prevent wildfires. You don't worry about me. I'm going on you just continue with the services, just follow God. We have a few verses of scripture that's on our heart this morning. We want to read to you. Then we'll just do what God tells us to do, whether it's preach, talk, testify, or whatever it might be. Now, some of you who know me, some of my close friends, some of my Relatives who listen to this podcast, shout out to Suzette, by the way. I really appreciate her support. My sister, Carolyn. Oh, I'm sorry. Carol. (laughs) But I appreciate everybody listening. But you know that that was my dad, uh, James Marshall. He was a preacher. And um, he and I never really had a very close relationship. We never really saw eye to eye. Or at least I didn't think we did. And he died at 63 years old. When I was, let's see, I was about to turn 31. I guess I was 30 years old when he died. My mom had already died. They died, they died young. They smoked themselves to death. They, they smoked unfiltered camel cigarettes like it was going out of style. It looked like the Great Smoky Mountains every time you walked in their house. It's sad but true. But anyway, I digress on that deal. But the thing about my dad was, was that uh, I had a lot of collateral education from him. And what I mean by that is, is that he didn't often sit down and just talk to me. 
about a lot of things. I mean, he would sit down and fuss at me a lot. I know, I know he was trying to correct me. I know he was trying to do the best that he could do. But I often heard him talking to other people and counseling other people as a preacher. And those kinds of counseling was collateral to me because I listened. I don't know. I don't, I don't think that he was cognizant of the fact that I was listening, but I was listening. And I want to share one of those stories with you today. And um, if I get a good response out of this, maybe I'll uh, share some more stories. Because, you know, I got a I got a huge collateral education from my father. But the story I want to t- talk to you about today, um, I was reminded of this um, yesterday, as a matter of fact, while I was at my regular job, not my podcast job, but my regular job, which is a paramedic. And we went, took a patient to an emergency room and there was a couple of little paramedic students, EMT students, whatever they were. I say little because they're young, but in this case, the guy was kind of diminutive. Anyway, uh, they were working a code. Uh, Some of you may or may not know. You've probably heard that on TV or whatever, but they were, you know, they were doing CPR on a a guy, and I said to, uh, I said to the guy, the, one of the students, I, I said, hey, you, you need to get in there on that. And he said, well, I've already been in there. So I had a, kind of an odd face about it. I guess he was a little something. I don't know. Maybe it's not the right job for him. Maybe he's learning that he's not cut out for this, but that's neither here nor there. I said, are you okay? And he said, well, that was my first one. So I guess that was his first code or first cardiac arrest or whatever. I was reminded of the story, and I shared it with him, and I I don't know if it helped him. It helped me. It helped me a long time ago. But my dad was counseling a lady one time uh, about her mother. Her mother had passed, and, and she'd passed early. I mean, you know, relatively young, probably in her 60s or so. And he was talking to the lady, and he she was sobbing and angry and sad and all those feelings that come out whenever, you know, a loved one passes. and. So why did they take my mother? Why did he take my mother? Talking about God. Why did God take my mother? A legitimate question, I suppose. Dad said, well, I said, I want you to know something. That every person you see, man, woman, black, white, rich, poor, young, old, every person you see is going to die. It is the natural end of life. He said that, just like that. And he might have read that in a book. I don't know. Sounded pretty... I don't know. Sounded good. Maybe it was inspired by God. Maybe that's the whole essence of being a preacher is having that spirit to to tell people things. And I don't know that it made her feel any better at the time anyway. But when he said that, I had a clarity of my life and knew at a very young age, I was very young. I was probably preteen. I was probably, you know, 11, 12 years old pretty heavy thing to be thinking about whenever you're 11 or 12 years old but that's me but I had this clarity of you know my life's gonna end I'm gonna die and I accepted it I accepted it because of his words his collateral education to me was that it's inevitable you're going to die you have to live first that's the important part and maybe he didn't say it in those words to that lady and Heck, it may not have may not have even helped the lady. I don't know. I have no idea. But it helped me. It helped me to understand that life is the journey. It's not the destination because everybody's going to the same destination, and that is death. Now, where you go beyond that, that's between you and Jesus. But you are going to go to the death part. Guarantee that. You can be the biggest serial killer in the world or Mother Teresa. Still going to die. I'm going to die, and you are too. 
So you know that. It's inevitable. So what are you going to do between now and then? How are you going to live your life? I've not always lived my life the right way. I've not always lived my life the best way. Hell, I've got three ex-wives. They'll all tell you that I'm a piece of shit. But I don't go out of my way to hurt people's feelings or to do bad things to people. I thoughtlessly do it sometimes. And if I've done it to you, if you're a listener, then I apologize. But try to be a better person. Getting back to what I was talking about in the last segment, your sphere of influence. You have a sphere of influence around you. You're like a you're like a rock that's been thrown into the middle of a still lake. You send ripples out. And the ones closest to you, you have the biggest effect on. Those are your family, your children, your mom, your dad, your aunts, your uncles, your cousins, and then it circles out from there you got your friends and your best friends and your work friends and your buddies and you know the acquaintances and all those things and so forth and so on be a better person i try to do that myself i'm preaching to me i'm not preaching to you i'm not not really trying to coax anybody into anything except for myself try to contribute in a positive way to the world in which we live i don't know who said that But it sounds good, and I try to adhere to it. That's one of the reasons why that I'm a paramedic. It's because I try to contribute in a positive way to this world. And this world's a shitty place. So it's not hard to contribute if you just put forth a little bit of effort. So that's my collateral education for this week. James Marshall was a pretty big influence in my life. And so I'll probably be sharing a few more stories with you. So stick around. The end is coming up. Final segment right after this. One, two... One, two, seatbelt in, seatbelt out. You know, Larry, this simple exercise will help us stay healthy, which keeps medical costs down. But you got to do it every day, Vince, because if you don't... You can get out of shape fast. You could learn a lot from a dummy. Buckle your safety belt. A message from the Department of Transportation and the Ad Council. All right, folks, that is the end of episode one, season four. That's right, season four. You know why? Because I can call it whatever I want. It's my show. So I decided this is season four, and that was episode one. It's a new season. I'm in a new place. I'm in the flatlands. I'm in West Tennessee, so things are a little different for me down here. Trying to get my feet wet, trying to get my footing, trying to, you know, whatever kind of cliche you want to put in there. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I'm trying to do. So, try to put out a new episode at least twice a week. I'm going to maybe even try to do three times a week once I get all my little connections and everything. Like I said, I did leave my, um, I don't know, it was like a little bag or something I had that was completely full of all kinds of, uh, connections and that sort of thing so i've really only got one microphone working right now just happened to have the right thing in the bag whenever i did that so thank goodness for that one uh anyway i want to thank everybody thank you to the dozens and dozens of the kps faithful out there and just remember that we're available everywhere that fine podcasts are available like Apple iTunes, Spotify, CastBox, 
hell, it doesn't matter. You can find us anywhere, but we originate from Anchor Podcast. Anchor Podcast is how we do the show, and I know you've heard an ad in here, and you've heard me tout it every time that we have an episode, but hey, it's really easy to do. If you've got your idea about a podcast and you want to do one, I recommend Anchor. It's pretty easy to use. I mean, you don't have to get elaborate like I do, but, you, you know, it's a good thing. All right, folks, until next time, it is Deuces and Duck Lips. My name is Lieutenant Aldo Rain, and I'm putting together a special team, and I need me eight soldiers. Eight Jewish American soldiers. Now, y'all might have heard rumors about the Armada happening soon. Well, we'll be leaving a little earlier. We're going to be dropped into France, dressed as civilians. Once we're in enemy territory, as a bushwhacking guerrilla army, we're going to be doing one thing and one thing only. Killing Nazis.